You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. A very good evening. Welcome to the West Ham fan show here on Love Sport Radio. It's Jake Watson with you. It's been a little while, chaps. Nice to see you both. Some of them have missed you so much, James. Have you missed your face? I was, I was just saying to James, he wasn't too impressed, and I don't think Johnny will be either, that I won't be the best-looking bloke in the studio for a change. And I said, well, I've been here every week. So <laughs> <don't worry. laughs> that, that hasn't actually been said at any point, has it? Him. No, is, no, no, is this a self-proclaimed title? I think it is. Yeah. No one else. No one else has said it. To be fair. No. <laughs> well, okay. How but anyway, I'm, mate, I'm very, very well indeed. I'm very well indeed. I've been touring the world, watching some football. I've been at Benfica, Vitoria Setupal at the weekend. Saw Jao Felix. Have you heard about him? This 18-year-old yeah. super wonder kid on his uh, way to United, isn't he? Well, I don't. Th- I think Juventus. You Juventus. Reckon? We had to teamed up with Cristiano Ronaldo, or get this, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah, Portuguese connections yeah, there, isn't it? Apparently, there? the rumours are if they get into the Europa League, he's going to be sent there on season for a loan. Yeah, and before that, I had a little trip off to, to Germany to watch some football there. So I've been soaking it in, and I'm off to West Ham this weekend to watch Leicester City. So. That's the most like, exotic place you can see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you've got your stadium's had a new little lick of paint today, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get on to talk about that in, in a little while. But let's have a chat about Manchester United um, first up. How are we assessing that? Because I've been reading some stuff from Balbuena saying that that's kind of one of the best performances you guys have put in all season. But, but obviously, coming away from Old Trafford, like you know, many do, with no points. Yeah, I, I, I think the the one thing that we're all talking about was the refereeing decisions. At the end of the day, we should have won the game. I don't think there's any other way to dress it up. We deserve to win that game and to come away with a defeat rather than you know not even a point. I, I just I think we, it was completely unfair. The the first goal was offside, and Antonio I thought afterwards in his post match interview was surprisingly amicable amicable about it. He was quite. Jovial, and oh, yeah. you know the referees are only humans. Blah blah blah. He was just blah. trying to avoid a massive fine, wasn't he? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I just think, you know, at the end of the day, if that was the other way round, I was thinking this on the way into the studio tonight. 
that was the other way round, mm. and West Ham had come away from Old Trafford with a 2-1 with the exact same decisions but mirror image, there would be absolute uproar. Obviously, Neil Warnock, Neil Warnock has been kicking off all week and, you know, all season, basically, isn't he? But all century. All his life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and there's, there's big hoo-ha about that. And I was thinking about it, say, on the way in, and I think it's just because we're mid-table... And because, you know, if we'd have got those points, we may finish ninth rather than 11th. It kind of just like, oh, well, you know, so you go to Old Trafford. But we've played really well, though. Yeah. And I think, well, yeah, we have played well, but that and that's all very well. And it was nice to see us play well for a change or for the first time in a while. But we were robbed. Mm. That's that's the end of it, I think. I don't think it's it's not just a case of us playing well, to be fair. Uh, I think we completely outplayed Man United. Um, It's not often you go to Old Trafford and have more possession more attempts on goal, more shots on target uh, than a club like Man United. And given our record at Old Trafford isn't great in recent years, uh, I think we can take a lot from it. Unfortunately, substandard officiating in this country has prevented us from getting three points. And I think, you know, a lot of people go, oh, you know, the standard refereeing in in the Premier League and in England in general um, isn't great. It never has been great. I think that game proves that VAR needs to come in because, and a lot of people question VAR and, and... and, and whether it slows the game down or whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for the sport and whether it should just let the game flow. But at the end of the day, for a club like West Ham to, you know, given where we are in the table, where we are in sort of the football land, footballing landscape in the Premier League, trying to break into that top six, that top seven, and then you go to a place like Old Trafford, you outplay Man United uh, to a point where you, we could have won three or four one. I mean, I'll give them the one because that it was a penalty, the second penalty. Um, but they didn't look like scoring other than that. But, yeah. but does Fredericks score- make that challenge? Sorry to interrupt. Does Fredericks make that challenge? Although it was a penalty. If the game was not set up like it was, I don't think... Because he I, lost I, his head I, a bit, I, didn't I, he, really? I question whether whether he needed to make the challenge anyway because I think, you know, um, uh, Fabianski was coming out and, and I trust Fabianski in those situations to, you know, at least try and put Martial off a little bit and could have even made a save. We've seen him make those sort of saves all season. He's made more than any other keeping yeah, in the Premier exactly. League this season. But... You know, I'm not going to blame Fredericks for that challenge because, you know, as you said, he's lost his head a little bit. And I suppose you do. I mean, as a player, I don't know how you feel as a player when you're playing at Old Trafford and you feel hard done by. You've had a goal ruled out, for which was perfectly okay in the first half. You've had a penalty given against you, which was nowhere near a penalty. The players dived. Um, and then suddenly you're sitting there and, you know, okay, it's one it's it's one all, but you, you should be 2-0 two, two up at that point. So it is what it is. Um, I just think that that's the sort of game that proves that officiating in this country is is poor, uh, it's unacceptable, and the quicker they get VIR and the better, VAR and the better, because clubs like West Ham and all the other mid-table clubs that Phil are done by, the likes of Cardiff and Neil Warnock, will actually have a fighting chance of actually competing at the top level because there is a big club bias with with the the officials in, in the Premier League. That was a hundred percent what I thought about that whole thing was. It, it just screamed of that age-old thing mm. of it was at Old Trafford. So, especially the offside, I thought, where Anderson's disallowed goal. You had a situation where you look at it... But he is offside. No, he wasn't offside, was he? The, the he was first onside. goal disallowed. Nah. He was onside. He was onside. The replay I've seen was he was off. Nah, his foot... His <laughs> foot <laughs> That's a scene of weird angle. Yeah. He's definitely onside. It was, on, it was on, actually on the West Ham highlights on your <laughs> channel. No, he's onside. No, the he's 100%. Onside. The Diego Dalo, I think it was, his foot was playing Anderson onside at right back. 
I mean, uh, and that's the rules. Don't forget. Yeah. It's in, okay. It's, it's, it's the land. Yeah. Of the, ball ball playing part of the body and all that sort of stuff. It's lure of the land. But because of the angle of Anderson's body and the angle of Dalot, so Dalot is facing going forward, and Anderson is going towards goal. You're saying the foot. If you pause it. Well, he, might, he, he, may as well just, he may as well just but, lie on the floor. Then. But you understand, no, but you understand to a linesman, <laughs> it appears that what, he is in front. Yeah, I see what you I mean? it when, I, when I've watched those highlights, okay, you know, I've not necessarily got the contrary, I'm not looking for a replay. It just says that's been called offside and they go for a quick replay and he looks offside. So in my eyes, that was offside. You can understand exactly why the linesman has done it. My, it's only no, when no, you no. boys have been had the opportunity to analyse it and you study his foot which the linesman does not have that opportunity no. to do so. And without VAR as well, that looked offside. My, no, my argument here is VAR. VAR needs to come in because exactly. it's clear that... But, like, uh, it, but I'm saying if that had happened the other way around, it would have looked like an offside goal for but, Manchester United. There's my, no way you can say a big, big, big club bias is there. They no, would have got I do that think decision. there is. He, uh, looks, no, he, looks, he looks clearly offside. I completely disagree with that. I could think if that was the other end, that's a red shirt. I think that's a 50-50 for the linesman looking at mm. it. He couldn't wait to get his flag up. When you, when you watched it... He was so eager to yeah, get his flag. Know, it's funny you say that because when I saw that, he, he looked like the happiest, smuggest man I've ever seen put up a yeah, flag in his so life, because... which I will say in your defence. But I will stand by the fact of what I saw. I didn't think we were going to have this conversation with regards to that first one. It, it, it seemed it was offside. And also with the first penalty, I thought that was a penalty. In real time. Mm. Exactly, in real but time, that's all and, we can go and on. And the angle that we got. But then you see where the referee's positioned. Mm. It's, it's quite clearly... Not there's no contact, and it, there's absolutely both, no mm. contact to his feet. And he goes down and he's held his feet, there's no contact on his feet. They're both 50 50s as well. That's what was sort of you know, they are both 50 50s. Yeah. If either of those decisions had gone the other way, there wouldn't be a huge uproar and going, Oh my god, how on earth has he got that wrong? Because, like, yeah, fair enough, you could easily argue it either way. But I just think when you're at Old Trafford, you don't, you don't get 50 50s, you might get a 60 40 yeah. if you're lucky. But you don't. Even now, it was obviously it was massive when Ferguson was around. But I think that's that's still evident now. And I do think that's one of the. You know, we haven't had too many this season. Absolute disgraceful refereeing decisions or officiating decisions tuck us up. Normally, because yeah. the teams have put enough goals past us that it's not not really matters. Fifty-fifty. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the first time, and it's just it, it was just disappointing at the end. And I was just a bit confused by the the jovial nature of everyone around the club it yeah. did feel a little bit summer holiday mode already almost like oh well it's, it's good because we've gone and played well at Old Trafford yeah so well yeah but all right we're yeah, still yeah. trying to win some games mm. but I would I would honestly I'd love to see some stats with regards to you know the so-called lesser clubs the mid-table than the lower sides going to the likes of Old Trafford Anfield the Etihad with regards to the refereeing decisions the contentious ones with regards to which ones went in the favour of the lower league club because it is such an easy stick sometimes to hit the referees with isn't it that they don't get those decisions I, I would I would love to see stats and facts wise with regards to being able to, to back that up because look I think West Ham played very very well and as you rightly say with regards to the stats very very unfortunate not to have taken something from it but at the same time, we'll by own admission, those were 50-50s. So you can't be too upset and surprised that both of those have not gone in West Ham's favour. You listen to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Back very shortly with more on this defeat to Manchester United. This is Love Sport. Welcome back to the West Ham Fan Show. Let's just continue then this Manchester United. Let's go. The big club decision thing. Um, we've had a lot to say on the first two big decisions. Okay. Now you mentioned Ryan Fredericks. Was that not a red card? 
Um, double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. Made a it's genuine attempt cup. to play the ball. Therefore, you can't be penalised twice because he's given the penalty, wasn't he? And then he has made a genuine attempt to play the ball. So he rightfully got booked for it. But what I thought was ironic <laughs> about that was that he'd been bought on only moments before, obviously to shore things up and deal with the pace <laughs> of Martial. And then two minutes later, he yeah. loses his head and, and gives away a penalty uh, what, like that. What, what I do want to say is, um, yeah, Jake, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you'd like to see stats that yeah. you know, some of the lesser sides, you know, whether they've been hard done by it. I mean, the same thing happened against us, against Liverpool earlier this season at, London Stadium, mm. where James Milder was ruled uh, to be onside when he was about five yards offside. Yeah, no, that and was a bad to, one. It led to Liverpool scoring. I kept far more offside than mm. um, and uh, Anderson was was deemed to be, but that cost us three points because we went and drew that, drew that game one all. So that cost us. Two yeah, no, points. I remember that. I remember that. Uh, and this time <coughs> it's cost us three points, um, and it's it's frustrating for, from our point of view because at the end of the season. People forget all that, and then they go, "Oh, West Ham finished eleventh." Because I do generally think we're going to finish eleventh now. It's gone. Um, You've climbed down each week. Oh, it's you? just it's killing me. Where was he a few weeks ago? Uh, what, we did, were, did we get up to seventh at any point? Well, I was, no, we I was, seventh, I was we, talking we, about us winning the league. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were coming Back seventh, but 11th. you didn't want us to, wasn't it? Uh, it? Yeah, I mean, I did say that I, I didn't think it would be a good idea for us to get into Europe this year. I thought, you know, my, my general feeling is that it would have been too soon. But had we done it, I wouldn't have been like, oh, I can't believe we've. Oh, I'm really annoyed that we've made it. Yeah. My, my only thought was, if we do make it, I don't think we're we're ready for it. Uh, and turns out that we're clearly not ready for it because we're not going to do it. <laughs> I just can't wait till next week and you're like, oh, I think we might stay up this year, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's getting a little bit tight, Cardiff on the climb, but yeah. No, I, I just think that, you know, everyone at the end of the season, everyone forgets all these decisions and they just go, oh, West Ham finished 11th that year. When, you know, by the end of the season, if that's the case, if you had them the, say, like, let's just take those two decisions to Liverpool and the Manny Nine, mm. that's what, four points, that could put us into eighth come the end of the season that's a big difference people look at the uh, the, uh, the the lead table at the end of the season and go oh so and so finished that was a good season they finished eighth oh, oh so and so finished 11th last year oh, that's a poor season Yeah, and that that's frustrating because that then effectively defines Pellegrini's job you know in the long run people look back and go oh Pellegrini finished 11th in his first first season you know that's a poor season but really I think he's had a good season but at the end of the day, results matter. And, and th- those two results in particular um, are unfair on, on on West Ham as a football club and uh, as Pellegrini in terms of the job that he's trying to do. And that's why it's, things need to be done because clubs like West Ham, clubs like Cardiff, as I said earlier with Warnock, uh, and other mid-table clubs that are trying to actually be, you know, be ambitious in what they're trying to do are being undone. And you know, at the end of the day, no one remembers it. So more and more needs to be made of these mistakes. That's, that's the way I feel about it. I totally agree with you on VAR, and I think 100% that needs to come in because we don't, you don't end up having these conversations. Anderson, Gold, you will do. Uh, well, <laughs> you, you, you would, but uh, but with with those, the ones on the the Anderson one, especially the offsides, it's yeah. like you look at it and go, no, yeah, yeah. it might be minimal, but it was offside. But the one thing I will say, James, I do think for once it hasn't been a season for me littered with games where you look back and go, oh, we were cheated by the ref then, and I also think another cliche of football is how it balances itself out as you were saying that I was just thinking of Hernandez punching in a goal against Fulham a few weeks ago when they went 1-0 up early on in the game they were still looking like they might have half a chance I think for once 
I'm not looking back at the season going, ah, now nah, we're we've been robbed this year. That we're looking back going, uh, we've played better than our position suggests. I I honestly think we have looked over the course of a season like a tenth, eleventh place team. I, see, I do see that. No, I mean I don't disagree with it, but it is frustrating when <laughs> you go to Old Trafford, you you outplay Man United, you get more possession, you have more attempts on goal, and you get. You don't just lose because of you know a, a goal against a runner play or anything like that. You lose because of two really poor decisions, um, and that you know, for me that <laughs> it cuts deep a little bit because it's yeah. like we haven't played like that all season. We've had some good performances. Southampton away is one that stands out. Arsenal at home, but that was the best performance of the season, uh, and it warranted more than zero points. Yep. It all levels itself out is about as much of a myth as when you get dumped by your first girlfriend and your mum says, everything happens for a reason, isn't it? It's complete and utter rubbish. Um, can we talk about your, your stadium? I've seen some lovely pictures of I it think, today. I think one thing we need to touch on <laughs> yeah, before on. we do that is West Ham are going to Wembley this year. Yes. And it's the West Ham ladies. They, they won their FA Cup semi-final on penalties to Reading and they're going to Wembley in the FA Cup congratulations to them and it's it's great to see West Ham at Wembley trouble is it's on the same day as West Ham play Southampton on the oh, last time game mm. of the season and a lot of fans are upset about that because yeah. they want to go and support the club at Wembley mm. uh, and support the girls they've done a fantastic it's their first season in the Women's Super League that's it and um, it's a real fairy tale first season yeah and um, loads of fans have got a bit of a dilemma do they go to Stratford and watch a, a nothing game against Southampton, or do they go to Wembley yeah. and potentially see West Ham lift the FA Cup? Well, I'm lucky enough. I got a friend of mine's coming over from the States that weekend, and I'm taking to his first Premier League game, as he puts it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, no, we've, we've we've had a look, and we're gonna. I'm buying tickets for both games, and we're hoping. We reckon we might miss the first sort of ten minutes or so of the final, but we think it's doable from uh, nice. from the Olympic Stadium. But I think they, there was there it's was some talk about love the commitment. Yeah, that that would be a, what a day of football that would be. Yeah. Last home game of the season at London Stadium, and then mm. go and watch the women. Yeah, at... I, I can't do either. Yeah, I know. Can't the south of France. Mum's booked me a weekend away south of France. Well, don't complain too loudly. Oh yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Out, James. I, I said, I said, I said to you don't want to go, mate. I said, Mum, don't book it over a weekend of football. She went, no, I won't do that. And it was only about what a month ago. I was saying to you, I've just looked at the, the flights, yeah. and it's over the last time game of the season. Turns out it's also over the FA Cup final. Gutted. Mm. Heart bleeds, mate. Heart bleeds for you. <laughs> you don't look too. You don't look too concerned no, for him, Jake. To be fair, I mean, you're not in the FA Cup final, and your season. You're not going to be playing for for anything. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know you're a home and away kind of guy. You want to be there every single game. But come on, mate. Say thank you. Cheers, mum. Take the tickets. Oh no, I said that at the, the beginning. Sun. Yeah, and then I saw the saw the date, and I was like, oh, thanks, okay. mum, but don't do that again. <laughs> lesson learned. Lesson learned for for Mrs. Jones. Right, going to take a break. We head back. We will have a little chat about uh, the London Stadium. If you've not seen the pictures on the internet today, or you've actually you may have even had a chance to look in person. We'll have a little chat about that in the studio. This is Love Sport. So we're still debating in the studio. We, we, we thought we'd dealt with it. We thought we'd done with the situation and swept under the carpet, but we're not. We're just uh, Will, during the break, brought up a screenshot. The of, Felipe Anderson of the offside. Felipe Anderson. Still an open wound. Miles onside was the agreed. Oh, yeah. yeah Only onside. with VAR is that Miles onside. <laughs> it mean. is. All you can see is the linesman directly looking across is the body of Felipe Anderson. You can't see his foot because it's so far behind Dan and they're running in complete opposite directions. Uh, for me, the only way that would ever get ruled offside for any team 
is with VAR. The linesman did actually think in his head, though, he's like, I must make sure that in the second half, that if the same thing happens again and it's United, that I don't give it as offside. I think he did say that, didn't he? Uh, at half time to the referee who just said look boys <laughs> it's, yeah. it's alright West Ham were nearly winning then yeah. we need to sort it out it's in the second right. half while yeah. he was humming glory glory Man United under yeah. his breath <laughs> high five and the fans <laughs> on the sideline the thing is you brought up the Milner goal as well with Liverpool you know yeah. I support a club as well who is not a top six football club I can't ever ah, but I, you've won the Premier League recently yes I know but we're not a top six football club okay I can't remember a time where I've sat there thinking we're not going to get this decision because they're so and so and I think mm. that you've had maybe a couple of decisions that you disagree with, and it's just easy for you to say, well, we're at Old Trafford, that's never going to happen. Now, I think one thing we did say over the break as well is that I don't I don't really buy into those sort of statements usually mm. from football fans of any club, really. I'm normally like, oh, come on, you were probably just beat by the better team. But you do think... But Man United at Old Trafford, I think it's a different kettle of There's fish There's a reason completely. they called it Fergie time. Let's yeah. put it that way. There's a reason they called it Fergie time. Man United have got a hold mm. over the officials in England. They always have done Even with Fergie gone, they still have that that aura, that you don't want to be in front of 75,000 fans and give a decision against Man United. I'm just Definitely. not convinced. I'm just not convinced. Oh, just a quick word, actually, on Manchester United, because the wheels of Ollie's whatever it is, somewhat since he got the permanent job, hasn't been that... They, they were flying. Crazy and decision. They, they genuinely were. What did you... Obviously, you, you outplayed them. I know they won the game, but did that kind of then almost flattered to deceive a little bit with regards to, to Manchester United because again they were comprehensively beaten last night they lost to Wolves a couple of times in the FA Cup and the Premier League I'm now not so convinced and I think everyone's maybe feeling the same that after all of us were sat here saying give him the job give him the job what more does he need to do to being like oh well she perhaps should have waited to the end of the season I was, I was talking to I was on a podcast earlier and I was talking to someone about this and um, made a good point in that you know the, but the, the decision makers at United only really saw the good times under Solskjaer and they made a decision on the good times. Mm. But they didn't experience the bad times under Solskjaer before making a decision. And I think that's key because now they're seeing the bad times, I can guarantee there are members in that boardroom at Old Trafford going, have we made the wrong decision here? Because mm. they're now they're seeing the bad times and going, actually, we've, we've hurried into the decision just because he won his first eight games as caretaker manager. All they had to do was wait a month or six weeks and then assess it. Because no one knows whether they would have lost all the games that they have done if they hadn't have appointed him. But, you know, they were on a high when they did. So it does point to the fact that the moment he was appointed, then suddenly the players relax a little bit and they start getting a bit complacent, like they did under Mourinho. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think Man United probably hurried into it, probably under a little bit of fan pressure, make the fans happy, he's all feel good, oh, let's give him a contract, let's keep the feel good factor going. But you thought he should have got the job, right? I thought he should get the job, but I always said they need to they need to think carefully about when they give him the job. Mm. Um, had they gone on a little bit of a slump between now and the end of the season, and they hadn't given him a contract between now and the end of the season, guarantee he wouldn't be given a contract. So, but now he's in a three-year deal. It's very 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 difficult for them to get rid of him. Um, well, you think so, but you know they they sacked Moyes nine months in yeah. um, I think he's still under contract there actually um, so I don't know I just think you know it might work out for him but I'll be very surprised if he's there coming in the next season put it that way mm. yeah I, I, I think that what I thought I saw a tweet actually this morning which I thought was very interesting in 2011 United were knocked out of the Champions League by Basel with Jones Young Smalling starting the game 
eight years later, United have been knocked out with the same three players in the back four, and all three have just been given new contracts. It's quite unbelievable, isn't it? That Madness. This isn't only going to Solskjaer, though, isn't it? But anyway, enough of Manchester United. Let's yeah. get back to West Ham. I was just interested in your take on there, because, yeah, you, you were better than them, and despite I, the fact they won the game. I do think the game was wedged in between two Champions League ties against Barcelona, from mm. their point of view. But they looked a million miles away from yeah. Barcelona, and this isn't the greatest, I mean, don't get me wrong, they are great, but they've been better, and they looked a million, a million miles away from being on the same level of being able to compete at the top end of, of the Champions League. But anyway, let's talk about your football stadium. Finally, we've, I've said it so many times. What do you make of it? It's had a lick of paint, a new yeah, carpet. We've got, we've got a new carpet. <laughs> I, lo- I love the smell of new carpet. I don't know about you guys, but smell of new carpet is nice. nice. You've got to hoover it loads of times, haven't you, to yeah. get all the bits up? Yeah, but I can't wait to get over there Saturday to, to give it a nice little sniff. And um, <laughs> apparently, no, so I'm, I'm sniffing the carpet by the way, <laughs> nothing else. And uh, Thank yeah, you for clarifying. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, I don't, I think it's a good move. I don't think it's it's as big a deal as everyone's made out between like the day we moved in to now. I think they needed to do all that, all that excuse that Billich and the players made before. Went, oh, you know, the play, it, it makes the pitch look a lot bigger. I get that, but then when he come out and said, oh, the players don't know where the edge of the pitch is because it's all green. No, like don't, don't <laughs> come on. Like, you're getting paid under grand a week. You should know where the end of the pitch is. You, you should, think so. That little white line, mate. Yeah. That's where. That's <laughs> where no you, pain. That, yeah. that, if the ball goes beyond that, it's out of play. Um, so I never bought that. But I think I think given the style of play that we had before, where we weren't like this expansive, you know, football playing team, it did make the pitch look up bigger. So it was harder for us to play. And I get that. Um, so maybe this will make the pitch look a little bit smaller and allow us to sort of play our game a little bit more. Um, but I don't think it's it's a massive, massive deal. And it's great that they've done it. Um, but let's let's see what happens. I mean, I, I, I don't I'm sorry think... Sorry I brought it up now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's nice. It's nice. I mean, any change to that stadium is going to be a positive, really, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't mind the stadium, but at the same time, it needs a lot of improvement. Um, so this is a good start. I think they've listened to the fans, which is good. Um, and, you know, the, the club hasn't done a lot of that in recent years so it's good they've listened to the fans and acted on it um, but we'll just see whether it actually makes a difference to the, the football on the pitch we have been pretty good at home recently apart from the Everton game recently so you know if it can, if it can get us back on track um, then I'm all for it I'm all for it I was quite I didn't think there was. it's hard to get on board with the idea that there's quite. you gave it quite a detailed analysis there Like it's quite hard to get on board with the idea that you know the outer surface of the of your football stadium makes that much of an impact on the on the on the performance on the pitch i think i think also a lot of fans and i got i did i do understand this as well a lot of fans were um they were quite keen for the stadium to feel a little bit more like home and to have a green surround around the yeah. pitch kind of it, it didn't you kind of look out and you think oh what's that you know it's an, it's an awful color green it, it's not the same green as the pitch as well so it stands out so to have it clear, it might make it feel a little bit more like home. Not massively, but you know, psychologically to the fans, you know, they walk in, they look out the pitch, and there's a claret surround. They might think, actually, now I feel a little bit more like home here. So, um, yeah, but th- that's, the, that's the, CGI, the CGI <laughs> picture, there's still a little bit of green there. There's still a little bit of green. Oh, if you look James, at the picture, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be interested to see. That carpet hasn't done it right. Is that I'll what you're saying? I'll be interested to see. If, if there's still green there, the fans are going to riot. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I, I must admit, though, I do think, because I was thinking about this on the way in, and I was like, I can't be. I can't You've thought about a lot on the way in today. I didn't did, you? yeah. I had a lot of time before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you come in from? He's walked many miles. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I was. 
I was trying to g myself up. I was like, I can't be, I can't be too, uh, you know, negative about this because at the end of the day, I don't sort of see too much or like how much positive can come out of it really other than like you say I think it's just uh, listening to the fans thing similar to the plans about squaring off the ends of the pitch which I think all of that stuff is good from a fan engagement point of view and I yep. think that's important um, that we don't sort of overlook the the value of that but I, I do I do think that you've got to listen to there is more to football than just what happens on the pitch and although I've been a big advocate this season of you know the if we're playing well on the pitch that will make a lot of these problems go away yeah. but I don't think that should mean you don't address them so I think mm. overall the new carpet which I'm told you're not allowed shoes on it that's what oh, my mum always used to say socks, socks and slippers only <laughs> when we got new carpet <laughs> wipe your feet at the door oh, slip and take your shoes off at the door yeah. <laughs> and there we are that's that chat done a new as I said makes no difference to the way you play but it makes it feel a little more like home which I think we can all agree is perhaps it was needed. Yeah. Look, uh, we do need to take a break. When we come back, uh, delighted to say, kind of former Hammer uh, John Moncur joining us on the phone. We'll speak to him as a former player. Did he ever feel that Manchester big club bias? Uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Love Sport Radio is the West Ham fan show. This is Love Sport. Well, we've got James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from Balls on the Line in the studio. And we've got John Moncur, former Hammers man, on the phone. What more do you want, West Ham fans? Very good evening, John. Evening, lads. You all right? Yeah, very well indeed. John, before the chaps go on and, and ask you a, a load of questions, um, which I'm sure they will do, one I've got for you. At the start of the show, we were talking about the game against Manchester United. Um, you lot feel incredibly hard done by, by the referee. And they, Will and James, they both feel that that perhaps United got those decisions because of, of who they are. As a former player yourself, you know, no doubt played at Old Trafford numerous times and Anfield and, and all those other all those other stadiums. Do you ever feel that you weren't getting the decisions because you weren't that big club side? Yeah, definitely. I think that, uh, I mean, at the time... Rubbish! <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah. one, John. <laughs> through, the 90s, through the 90s, basically, United were the, you know, the top team. So, uh, on many occasions, really, we look, you know, we'd come in the dressing room and, and agree as a, as a group that you know the referee melted a little bit because of this the sheer place you know the the atmosphere whatever referees ain't strong enough and we saw that saturday i mean that was ridiculous that first half i mean it makes your blood boil as a west ham fan the fact that anderson's you know perfectly a uh, good goal that was flagged offside and the penalty for me was so soft you know that that uh, a ball where it was in the area in the first place, and it wasn't really a foul. So, you know, we, we the lads must have come away completely gutted after that Saturday. John, I, I thought it was quite interesting. You say they came away gutted. There seems to have been quite a feel-good factor around the club and the fans, and some of the interviews the players gave after the gave after the game. They were all, especially Mikel Antonio, they were all quite upbeat, and it's mm. it's kind of confused me a little bit this week because I've, I've been more of the opinion, you know, I've been quite angry and a bit annoyed looking back at the game and the decisions as we just spoke about then. Did you, yeah. uh, where do you think that sort of feel good things come from other than obviously the good think, performance? Yeah, I think that uh, like prior to the, the United game, we, you know, we dipped a little bit and it's been a bit frustrating, uh, you know, two or three performances. So I think the lads were looking and, and it was a good performance. I think we performed well. It was an open game. Uh, and West Ham, for I, I, you know, in my opinion, for big parts of the game, looked the better team. So 
I think they'll come out with it in terms of the positiveness uh, of the performance. You know what I mean? But it yeah. will work, player. I think that the, the, the decision, the big decisions that go against you in, in big theatres like that, it frustrates the, the life out of you because a lot of you know smaller clubs, I know it sounds like you're whinging, but I think the facts are they do get the rub of the green. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely, yeah. John, do you think that that type of performance now, I mean... As you said, we've we dipped a little bit in recent weeks. The, the defeat to Everton and, and Cardiff before that, and and everything else. Do you think a performance like that, regardless of everything that happened and the reasons why we may have lost in terms of the decisions, do you think that's the sort of performance that we needed uh, to, to to really push on for the remaining four games of the season and and make a a solid challenge for that top four? Uh, that sorry, top four. Oh, there's me dreaming. Uh, <laughs> you do get excited. I know. I know. I do. <laughs> don't I? Uh, the, t- the top ten. The top ten. That's what yeah. I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that I think what it was there was a, uh, a period, uh, maybe a month ago, where we were looking at if things went our way, you know, we could push into them European spots, and it wasn't, you know, completely out of reach. Mm. So maybe the pressure of that it dipped a little bit, and you know, you, I don't know for whatever reason you just wanted the lads to push on. There was a. a, a a couple of, especially particularly the Everton game, where if we would have won and Watford and Wolves would have lost, you know, you're in there. But on that day, Everton were, were you know, that's probably the best Everton performance of the year that I've seen them. But did we add to that? You know, was it in the back of our minds? You don't know. But we've now had, you know, we've bounced back a little bit with that performance. And it's important that we finish strong as a, as a club because it's been a decent year. You know, if you look at last year, uh, I was talking to someone today about it, funny enough, and, you know, give Pellegrini another a couple of years because we are making small improvements, definitely. Let's go to another transfer market next year. Can he add to it and make, you know, another small step forward? And who knows, in a couple of years, we might be that team that is, you know, in Europe. Definitely. John, one thing, um, we touched on it about the Man United game and your experiences playing at Old Trafford. One thing I've been quite interested to see recently is the there's another football cliche about that like summer holiday mentality creeping in and West Ham are in prime position to be victims of that this season. We got we you know we're 11th, we're four points yeah. off Watford and Everton who are in the next two places above us. Was that something that you experienced when you were playing and do you think that's happening now or is that just a, a myth that comes out amongst fans? I think, listen, as professionals, you don't want it to happen and you, you know, you fight against that. You're professionals, you train as if it's the biggest game, you know, your next game's the biggest game, all the cliches. But subconsciously, it does happen. I mean, you see, you know, you, we've seen it before, you know, who would have given us a chance years ago to go there and beat Man United when Tevez scored uh, mm. to keep us up? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. there's factors in both sides of the, the table. You know, you've got clubs, you know, Cardiff last night fighting for their life. I know Brighton are struggling now. But it happens. It's a subconscious thing. As a group, something happens and it gives you something that, you know, it's, I wouldn't say supernatural, but things happen that you can pull things out of the bag as lower clubs. And top teams don't seem to lose when they're, you know, when they're going for the title. So then middle road teams, I suppose it's just the, you know, the old atmosphere and everything, the build-up and everything and as a group, you know, I wouldn't say it's summer holiday time. I just think that, you know, when things don't mean as much, you actually know deep down. 
and it shouldn't because you work as hard and, and prepare as you know as it's the biggest game. But you know that it does happen. It's fact. Yeah, John. What would you know? You mentioned a minute ago that you know you'd like to see Pellegrini be given a couple of years um, to really sort of you know achieve what we think he can achieve at the club. What do you want to see him do this summer in terms of you know rebuilding the squad? You know, is there anywhere in the in the mm. team where you think he you know he really needs to to start strengthening a little bit for, in order for us to sort of push forward from this season? I think that you know you can. Everyone's got an opinion. Uh, I'd personally like to see another top striker. Uh, I mean, the wide positions, full-backs, you know, they've done well. But I think if you, he's going to have a, a picture of how he's going to play next year and who he's going to keep. And, you know, I think that the bigger the bigger picture, I think we're going to need strengthening in probably all areas. That means a player uh, up front, I would say a central midfield player. And, uh, as I say, hopefully a couple of... I would. Not so much full-backs, but wideish players that can can uh, play that role. So, I think we're good in the goalkeeper spot. Obviously, Declan Rice has been a revelation. You know, we've got strength through the team. We've got some fantastic players. Hopefully, Lanzini, we can get him back to, you know, the sort of player that he, he was before he got injured. And we've got loads of talent there, but I just think to keep up and keep going forward, he will probably need three or four players in the, in the summer. John, just, just one last one. There's a player, one player this season who, you know, we we love a left-footed, talented player at West Ham and perhaps if Robert Snodgrass got a few more bookings, we'd all love him as much as we loved you. <laughs> but <laughs> he, he's one, I think, in a in a season where, you know, it hasn't been too too stable. We've had some inconsistencies. But he, you know, he's he's really he's really laid down yeah. the marker as one of our top performers on a consistent basis all season, which is really nice to see. Were you surprised to that he's you know been able to been able to deliver given the start he had to his career at West Ham? I think uh, surprised in that I, I always knew he was a good player. I mean, even watching him, um, I mean, my boy played against him at Villa and and he stood out a couple of seasons ago. I, I always knew yeah. he was a good player, but the, the fact that what he's been good at is his fitness level and his consistency, and he and he has. He's been he's been he's come one that's come right out who no one would have thought this year, and he's a, he's a, a real team player. He can play in a few different positions, and he always, you know, he's a seven eight out of ten uh, player. With on his day some great quality, he's got a tremendous left foot. So he's one that you know has come out and you would keep obviously and and. He, he would he would play a big part next year, and he's a type of player with better players around him. He looks better, you know what I mean. So we've got a, we've got a real good squad there, and it is exciting. And I don't, you know, West Ham fans. At the end of the day, we, we're up and down a little bit, but I think that this year has been a slow progress. And if we can do that again next year, it's uh, all, all the signs are good. Mm. Uh, Leicester this weekend. I think this one's going to be a, an open, entertaining game. John, how do you see it going? Yeah, I think Leicester are a, a little bit like us. They're, they're a little bit inconsistent. Uh, obviously, Brendan's come in and, and they've got, again, they've got a good blend. They've got young, good players. They've got some good experience. Uh, so it'll be an open game, as you say, and I think that it'll be an entertaining game. Uh, they obviously had their first, I think, second defeat under Rodgers last week. Uh, game, so I think that we can sort of catch catch them out 
quick start and I think we'll get the three points. All right, top stuff. John, appreciate your time as always. Uh, that was John Moncler there, the former West Ham man. Going to take a break. Listen to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. This is Love Sport. Sport. Yeah, welcome back. West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport. Uh, by the way, there are a couple of huge Champions League games happening this evening. Um, I will quickly run through the team news um, for you this evening. If you've not had a chance to have a look, uh, I'll start with the Spurs side this evening. Of course, there is no Harry Kane for them. A couple of other injuries for them. Spurs, not quite down to the bare bones, but certainly stretched. Uh, Laurie Singal, then Kieran Trippier, out of area, Vertonghen, Danny Rose, the midfield. You've got Wanyama and Sissoko, and then you've got Ali, Eriksen and Mora behind Sun. So that means that Sanchez is on the bench, as is Ben Davies, Fernando Lorente, the striking options on the bench. I suppose um, the big news then, obviously, for Deli Ali is that he did pass that fitness test for Manchester City. Uh, Leo Sane, I think he's the big one to miss out this evening. Uh, Bernardo, he starts instead. So there's Edison in goal. Then we've got Kyle Walker, Vincent Company, Imeric Laporte, and Bernard Mendy. Then Gundogan, Silva, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Sterling, and Aguero. That is is both uh, an 8pm kickoff. Liverpool, by the way, Diva Carigi starting up front for them this evening. They've got a two-goal lead from that first leg. So plenty of options for Liverpool on the bench if they should so need 8pm kickoffs. But you are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And just with uh, John Monker, former Hammer, we're chatting about Robbie Snodgrass, weren't we? Um, some bad news for him this week. Obviously, he's uh, received that ban um, for that incident, shall we say. But uh, a huge miss isn't he? When, as and when that happens, obviously, depending on the appeal that we believe will go on. But we're just saying he's, he's had a really good, positive season and, and one that perhaps people didn't expect him to have. No one expected it. Um, I mean, I remember in the summer when he came back from Villa and, you know, I was adamant that you know, Pellegrini's not going to like Robert Snodgrass. Mm. He's going to he's gonna be one of the first players out the door. Uh, I remember talking to a guy on Twitter who's a Villa fan. And he was telling me that he really, really wanted Villa to sign him permanently, but he didn't think the club could, could afford them because of their financial issues. Yeah. And I was gutted. I was like, can't you just find a few million quid out you know, your back pocket and, and sign him? Because I didn't think he had a future. Um, and now, I'll be gutted if we sell him. Yeah. Because mm. I think he's been absolutely superb. And I think the reason why the fans are taking to him is because you know everyone knows, West Ham fans, they love a player that just gives 120%. doesn't matter how good you are. Mm. If you give 120%, then you know you're going to win the fans over, and you know the fans are going to love you. And that's what he's done this year. He hasn't been superb every performance. There has been a couple of games where he, you know he hasn't performed well, but the majority of the time he's been brilliant. And particularly the last that he came off the bench against Chelsea uh, at half time, and you know the shape changed, but he changed the game as well. I thought he was superb. Uh, and then against United, I thought he was he was outstanding um, alongside so many other brilliant performances. So. It's it's interesting to see a player like that who whose start to the his West Ham career looked dead and buried before he even arrived because you know he came. It's he, almost miraculous though, isn't it? Because it's not like he was just dropped. It's not just like he was just not getting a game. Like things were said, and it was kind of like there's no way back from. Well, this. he was he mm. was Dimitri, He was supposed to be Dimitri Payet's replacement. Yeah, because he arrived. Fairly tough act to follow. I know, and he arrived like what a week after we'd sold Payet, and everyone was still so emotional because they'd lost Payet, and he suddenly <laughs> Snodgrass turns out, and I was like, Are we really just signed Robert Snodgrass yeah. to replace mm. Payet, and then obviously um, David Sutherland's son come out um, and says, "Oh, you know, um, 
basically you'd never I, wanted him. I, I, I didn't want him. Yeah, yeah. I told, I, I begged my dad not to sign him, and it was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, like, wow. I, that was that was during a, a really dark era for the football club, where mm. it was seemed like the owner's son was was the PR for for the club, and and. You know, I felt a bit sorry for him, and he went away to Villa, worked hard, come back, worked hard under Pellegrini, and, and suddenly he's got a future at the club, and I think that's superb. And I think he's a huge part of that future, isn't he? As well, where it's been a season where most weeks, certainly on this show, and just talking to people normally, it's been it's been an uncertain season. You're never sure going into each game mm. what sort of performance we're going to put in. You never know, regardless of who we're playing, whether we're going to win, regardless of whether it's home or away. And I think the one of the few things that's been pretty stable this year is is Snoddy. And when you see him on the team sheet, it's you don't even think about it. It's you know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're, mm. you're comfortable. When you said there, you had a couple of games this season where he's, he's been below par. I don't think, unlike a lot of them, he's ever been like abhorrent. Yeah. He's never no, got no. like three or four out of ten. He might bosh in with a five Would every now rid- and then. Would it be ridiculous to include him in the front runners for like a player of a year award? Uh, what at the club? Yeah, or in the Premier League. No, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not talking PFA. Um, just outside the top ten, think... maybe with that one. But but West Ham wise, I know obviously the standouts, the I Declan and, and Lucas, exactly. Yeah. You know, I think those two are the names that jump out to me straight away as, yeah. as an outsider. But as obviously chaps that, that see him week in week out, you talk about you know his levels perhaps not even dropping that much, and he's been there pretty much every game. Now I'm not saying. Do you think he'll win it? But do you think he'll be far from the discussions? Solid bronze medal, I think. I, I, he's got to certainly be up there. Um, I think he's he's be unlucky in that you know Fabianski's arrived and been brilliant. And Declan that save, Rice, by the way, from Marcus Rashford yeah, was super. Yeah, and Declan Rice has, has had that uh, his breakthrough season really. So mm. I think he'll be he'll feel he might feel unlucky. Most improved. Yeah, I mean, do they do a most improved? No, or, no? Then they shouldn't do it at any level. Of the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I, I think it, it'll be it'll be among the discussions. He'll certainly be in in you know if the club do like a a top ten to vote for, then he'll be mm-hmm. in it or a top three It'll be or an whatever. option. Yeah. So you know, no, I think even if he doesn't, you know, the fans the fans will know that you know, he's given everything to this football club this season. He's been one of our best performers, and he deserves a lot of credit for the way he's turned his career around at the club. Yeah, absolutely fair play to Robert Snodgrass, another forward midfield player to chat about. Felipe Anderson, superb. Again, against Manchester United, there's been discussions, hasn't there? There often are on Twitter ones that are completely impossible to determine. But regardless, people have them every week. One of the best players outside the top six. But you're not. You're. You've got something about. Felipe there is Anderson, a right smile across his face. Just, I, just, I don't know what it he is. He not make someone again on on Saturday. <laughs> no, no, you love. Is that not th- enough for you? It's like his four hundredth like nutmeg this season. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> But outside of the nutmeg stats, there, is there something? Am I? I mean, correct me if I'm picking up on this wrong. But is there something about Felipe Anderson that just annoys you a little bit? There's a lot. <laughs> right. What are you not having? Well, we paid what forty million quid for him. It's a fair whack. It is a fair <laughs> whack. It is a fair whack. Why can't he perform the way he did on Saturday night? Every single week. He's a flair player. That's what you get. What do you mean he's a flair player? That's what you get. We had Dimitri Payet who was a flair player. He did it every week. Yossi Benio. Up until, like the, up yeah. until the point for he decided what, to for leave. For one season, basically, his entire career. No, I'm, I, just, I just feel it, it frustrates me. Mm. I'm not denying that he's a good player. He's a very, very good player. But I I question whether we, we can really afford to have a player like that in the team. Who on earth are you suggesting you replace in the te- him No, with? in the team that can't do it every single week. It, and it frustrates me mm. that he only appears and you know he only appears to turn up against the big teams. 
that annoys me. Barring the Southampton away where he, he turned it on in the second half. He scored his goals against okay Burnley. Oh, okay, right, okay. I'm undoing myself. I'm thinking myself about. Anyone else? No, he scored against United Fulham. twice. He scored against Arsenal, and then Huddersfield. Burnley. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, it, it it does feel as though he. Oh. I mean, up until Saturday, I had him in my fantasy team for eight weeks. Returned like two points a game. Like you got to do. That's something, what man. it's all about. Yeah. You've got to yeah. do something. He's cost forty million quid. I I love him. I I don't want to see us, see us sell him as such. I just think. Someone has to have a word with him. Go if you're gonna, you can do that. Do it every week, mate. <laughs> but he's, I mean, he's our, correct me if I'm wrong. He's our top scorer mm. this season as well. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, he is. Other, other than other than that, that's that's clearly who he is as a that, footballer. That was his first goal you know? since. Yeah. What was it? Like, I don't know, June or something? <laughs> you have to allow... I, I love him as a footballer. I just think he could be more consistent. And until he's more consistent, I think we've overpaid for him. But I don't think he's ever going to be consistent. Yeah, exactly. Yossi Benayoun was the player. Like, you have to accept that. He Wonderful was fantastic, player, buddy, Yossi Benayoun. Exactly. That's right the other day. He what did, a player. didn't he? That was what quite sad. Yeah, the chip against Fulham, that was the, the dreamiest goal Wonderful. I saw him score. But, but Yossi Benayoun would do that. He would turn up one game against whoever and he would boss it he would win it on his own for West Ham the next two games you wouldn't see him he'd just mm. be chilling out on the on the touchline just you know doing his stuff and yeah. knocking little passes he would literally do nothing and you just as you started getting frustrated with him he'd like turn it on again the next game you're like oh we're so lucky to have him and sure enough he earned his move to a couple of big clubs <laughs> but I just think with Anderson as well you always compare him to Pyatt Jane, but I think that's where <laughs> that's where you're stumbling and I think Pyatt played had 10 other players on the pitch every week who were putting in 8 or 9 out of 10 performances which freed him up to do the same and for the majority of the season Anderson has been our only or other than I know he's playing with Arnautovic but you look at Payet he had him, Lanzini and Sacco with the attacking trio all three of them were putting in 8 out of 10 performances every week Mm. which gave Payet more space and this season Anderson's been other than Arnautovic in spells our main attacking threat and because we've got no one else to worry about going forward, really, teams are able mm. to put a lot more defensive resources on him, and I think that's holding him back. I, I, I do get that. I do feel, though, that sometimes, and I do agree with you, I do I do genuinely agree with you, but I do feel that sometimes it can be a bit lazy. Um, and I, I just think he could do a lot more regularly uh, to, to really justify his price tag. I'm not saying he, you know, he hasn't been brilliant, because he has been brilliant, but I think that there's a lot more that he can do I think he's a far more talented footballer than we've actually seen even in his good performances I think he's better than that he's definitely better than that I think he's pulling maybe he's pulling a snodgrass just mm. not letting us into his full potential in his and then first. next year he's going to yeah he's going to absolutely yeah, yeah and then we end up yeah. selling him in January to Marseille for ten, 20 million or something <laughs> yeah, he wants to go back to Brazil yeah, he misses his in. family yeah. <laughs> I, say, I think with, with any side you, you're, you're allowed that one player that one player who, you if, know, if you're Man United, you, you allow him that? to lose the ball. But you know, one in five, he will score a goal. You know, whereas your other midfielders, they're, they're passing or the crossing. It may be a good one, but they haven't quite got that spark. And that is him as a footballer, Philippe Anderson. If he's not working hard now, at his age, or not hard enough, then he's never going to. You know, if he's not putting in consistent performances now, then he's never going to. You've got to just see him for for what he is and the the qualities that he clearly does. Possess. Do you think Lanzini works hard, James? Good question. Uh, I think because I don't. 
I don't think he does, but I love him to pieces. The thing with Lanzini is that before he got his injury... You're easier to please than James. <laughs> yeah. Apparently so. Yeah, you got to work hard for my, for my love. Um, yeah, no, I think before he got his injury, particularly uh, last season, I felt that he delivered uh, more consistently than, than Anderson has this season. That's a politician's answer, if ever I've heard one. Yeah, and there'll be more from that from the pair of them after the news at 8 o'clock. You are listening to Love Sport Radio. Uh, very shortly, we'll have the Champions League kickoffs. We'll update you on them. We'll talk some transfer rumours and preview Leicester City here on Love Sport. This is... Welcome back to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Uh, as Peter Smith just told you, those Champions League games have gotten underway. Liverpool away at Porto holding that two-goal advantage. Manchester City against Spurs. Spurs leading 1-0 from that first leg. And chaps, just quickly on that, do you think Spurs-Man City, what do you think is going to happen? Um, it's going to be 2-1 to Man City and it's going to be the worst day of my life because they're still going to go through. Santa, Santa cut them out in the office earlier that It'll be a dark, dark day for football if Tottenham win the Champions League. Why? It'll be really bad for the sport. <laughs> and um, it can't be allowed. That's unbelievable. I that, can't tell you why. I mean, I did want an opinion. So, you know, I suppose I got that out of you. But you can't just back think, it up. You, just, you're just, deciding just, not to. I just think it'll be really bad because it'd be unfair on the people. Who? people Man City. It'd be unfair, be unfair on, on Man City. It'd be unfair on Liverpool, who who we, we keep being told it, it's their year. Hmm. Uh, for the league and, and the Champions League. Be unfair on us. Uh, it'd be unfair on football fans all over because okay. no one wants to hear Tottenham fans brag about it. Okay. Mm. I mean, I have a different opinion, but okay, my opinion's not important. Nil-nil so far. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool, <so> Liverpool <laughs> tuning up and uh, Spurs against Manchester City. Goal updates as and when they do fly in. But let's talk about Leicester City, your next opponents in the Premier League this coming Saturday. Uh, Jamie Kemble from the Leicester Mercury is on the phone now. Uh, Jamie, a very good evening. Thank you for coming on. Good evening. How are things? Yeah, very, very well indeed. Um, thank you. So you know what, I'll, I'll hand it over to the chaps because I always find it a little bit of an awkward position as a Leicester fan myself, Jamie, to be having asking you conversations, questions, sorry, about Leicester and West Ham. So I'll leave it to, yeah. to you two. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, will you fire away? Jamie, just first off, before we talk about the game, particularly this weekend, just looking back generally over the season, I... I know obviously you had the the big success um, recently with the club, which you know will live with you for years and years and years. But when you look at it from this season, I don't particularly see Leicester as a as a far bigger team or a, with a far better squad than we have. You've also had some turmoil this right, season. Jumping already. <laughs> <laughs> but you've you've also had some turmoil this season. Yet you're currently sitting four places above us with five more points looking like you know that that's not necessarily going to change what do you think sort of the differences between the two clubs given the different levels of resource as well um i just think you know i think city have got a uh, probably a better um, a more settled setup um compared to west ham um they've got a young squad and one that's been coming through for a while they've been signing young english talent that that that's hungry and wants to prove itself at the club um and you've also got the infrastructure that's been there uh, on the back of the Premier League winning season as well. Um, you know, you look at West Ham for the move move stadiums and things like that, and that disruption last year with 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 what went on the owners and and, and the manager and things like that was been a bit more settled the city, and of course they've changed manager um, as West Ham has in the last sort of year. Um, but it's, it's still been a smooth transition because it it was more or less what the fans wanted anyway. So I think it. It went a lot more, more smoothly when 
you'd usually expect when you change a manager at a club. Jamie, see Brendan Rodgers has come in, uh, and up until the last game, was doing a doing a, f- a fantastic job. Obviously, you couldn't uh, lost to Newcastle last week, but mm. um, I mean, what 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 exactly has he changed uh, at Leicester in terms of what compared to what Claude Puel was doing? Um, not an awful lot. I mean, you you obviously get that bounce when a new manager comes in, and and that's inevitable. Um, tweak the system a little bit. They play a four-one-four-one now. So Wilfred indeed he's just sat deep. Uh, he sort of knows his role and he, and he just plays that role alone. And then you've got the Telemons and, and Madison alongside each other with with a more attacking outlook. Whereas whereas Telemons is a bit deeper under Puel and had a couple of roles to work with uh, alongside Indeedy, which which sometimes worked but didn't always work to great effect. Uh, so Telemons is a is a more attacking player. Um, but what you saw against Newcastle, though, was was more more of what Claude Puel, what Claude Puel's problem was um, in the teams that sat deep uh, and, and asked asked Leicester to come and attack them. Leicester can't really deal with that. They can't really break teams down in the way they should. Uh, Whereas they find it much easier attacking teams and counter-attacking and scoring goals on the break, as they were so successful doing when they won the league. Um, so the same old problems are there and. That was a reminder of that against Newcastle, but like you say, there is a there is a better attacking outlook about the team, and, and it's worked so far. Just uh, one second, Jeremy. We'll get back to that chat in a, in a moment. I mentioned Champions League games underway, and I'll give you goals as and when they happen. Well, just four minutes in, and we have a goal, and it is at the Etihad, and it's gone to. Manchester City, Raheem Sterling has scored for Man City after just four minutes. So now level on aggregate, huge, huge test now for Spurs um, and their resolve because we want them to get to the semi-finals, don't we, James? I think no. Raheem Sterling saving for all time. <laughs> Keep going, mate. Right, Will, back to Leicester. What have we got for Jamie? No, I'm just uh, so looking ahead to the to the game this week. We've we've struggled all season with inconsistencies, and it doesn't really matter who we were playing each week, home or away. We could, you know, you could go into it literally not having a clue whether we we're going to turn up and get a really decent result, or we were just going to turn up or barely turn up at all. Saying that, from a from an opposition point of view, what is the what's the thought process going into the game? Obviously, with Leicester considerably more to play for and hold on to than we have. What's the thought process? Um, obviously, come back off the back of a loss, so you, they're going to go into this game thinking they need to win. And if they do slip up again, and if they do lose, then you probably say that seventh place, a seventh place out of reach with what for the Wolves already having a game in hand. Uh, and probably a little more consistent over the season, and you probably fancy those teams anyway as it is, um, barring any unlikely slip-ups. Um, but yeah, this is an away game that they'll enjoy because away games are so much easier for City because the onus isn't on them to attack. And as I just mentioned, they're much better when when they can go and surprise teams and catch them on the break. So you know, West Ham will be expected, obviously, by their home fans being home to come and attack City and, and they'll sit back and, and be happy to counter-attack. Um, if West Ham do spot the weakness, if they do sit back, there'll be a bit more trouble, of course. But, you know, I think City will fancy themselves against against a West Ham team, like you say, that has been inconsistent this year. James Jones is crying, as is Son. Why is Son crying, Will? 
Can't believe Tottenham have equalised. They've just equalised. What did I say? Exactly. Two one to Man City. <laughs> Seven minutes in. What a start at the Etihad and Hyun Min Son replacing Harry Kane and once again delivering the goods. So not only is it one all and two one on aggregate, they've now got that all important away goal. So Man City now need to score another two if they're going to make the semi-finals of the Champions League. Wow. Eight minutes in. What a start there at the Etihad. Uh, Jamie, just kind of one last one before we let you go then. I think it's going to be an open game. I'm heading there this weekend. Really, really quite looking forward to it. I think this is going to be an open game, but pretty pretty hard to predict. But regardless of that, I'm going to ask you to predict it. How do you see it going? Uh, I think 2-1 to Leicester. Oh, it's awful. Really? Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. Oh, I, I, I quite like you, Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we're leaving. Jamie, really appreciate your time this evening. Uh, that was Jamie Campbell from the Leicester Mercury uh, giving us his views on that game this coming Saturday. Uh, we're just watching the screen here, and I think we have another goal. Yeah, we have. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> this is absolutely incredible. There is another goal at the Etihad. Not even 10 minutes have been played. And, I mean, if they mess this up now, it will be the most Spursy thing that Spurs could ever possibly do because they now lead on aggregate 3-1, 2-1 on the night. Hyun Min Sun has just scored again uh we're looking at the screen here and yeah utter complete disbelief what a start what a game this is so far 2-1 on the night to spurs 3-1 aggregate man city now need to score three goals to progress through to the champions league semi-finals if there's any team that I'd back to score three goals at home, though, it's City. <laughs> I like that immediate yeah. positivity, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Sergio. Yeah. Nah, come on, I want Spurs to get it's through. It's going to be another Aguero moment, isn't it? Spurs to get through. Absolutely incredible start. They had goalless in the other one, um, but you needn't worry about that because all the action is happening at the Etihad. And also here in the Love Sports studio, it's the West Ham Fan Show. Up next, we're going to continue to talk about Leicester this coming Saturday. This is Love Sport. Love Sport. We're just getting wind. James, is there another goal? Well, on my app, it says it's Man City it's, 2, Tottenham 2 on the night. And yeah, it's just come through on my screen. Bernardo, Bernardo Silva has just scored for Manchester City. Oh, my days. Only 11 minutes gone. Jamie O'Hara's giggling to himself again in the studio. So, yeah, to all. I mean, where do you go from here? 12 minutes in, to all at the Etihad. I was expecting a tight game. I think, what do Man City do? Do they go out and attack Spurs and try to get that goal back? Do Spurs sit in and just soak it up and then just hope to, to snatch something at the end? But ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous game at the Etihad Stadium. I hope the Man City fans turned out. I hope they're actually there. I think it was a last like late sellout, wasn't mm. it? No, I heard there were still tickets available yeah. to the, today. Oh, really? And yeah, and Guardiola was saying yesterday he wanted the Man City fans to show how much they wanted to get through to to the semi-finals well maybe they're doing their job maybe it's the fans that are urging on and spiking on this incredible game I mean we, we, unfortunately we can't see the goals in here we've just got the flash scores coming up but absolutely incredible but they'll easily score twice in 75 minutes won't they? oh yeah I mean they're used to scoring about 9 at home aren't they? yeah, so yeah be right. plenty of time no That'd worries right. no worries yeah so I mean 12 minutes 4 goals by the end of the 90 at this rate, we're looking at double figures for the pair of them. But we'll let you know when those goals go in. Let's get back to West Ham and talk about the game coming this Saturday. Y- you think it's going to be a- an open game? I really do. I, I think the Leicester, as-, as Jamie mentioned, 
particularly struggled at home against a mid-table side who perhaps hasn't gone out and attacked. But I feel that West Ham at home, there's no way they're going to just sit back, are they? No, we're going to, now with our clarets around. I'm not sure whose hand that plays into. With our clarets around, yeah. you know, we, can, we can really start play, the playing man. the game. And um, no, I feel more like home. But no, on a serious note, I do think that, I think they'll take a lot of heart um, and positivity out of that performance at Old Trafford. And they, they will take the game to City, uh, Leicester City. Um, it's just whether we will be able to cope with you know some of the pace that Leicester have got in terms of Vardy up front running in behind. You know, Damari Gray's dangerous, um, and it's just whether you know the likes of Felipe Anderson can track back and do his defensive duties as well. <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. Um, no, it will be an open game. Uh, we've been very good at home, barring the Everton result, um, but we are susceptible to conceding goals as well. I, I mean, I think we've only kept five clean sheets all season. Yeah, I don't, a minus ten goal difference. Yeah, and for a mid-table side, given that Fabianski, um, we all say you know he's our player of the season. He's going to win Hammer of the Year. But he's only kept five clean sheets, mm. um, which is quite surprising. But I think you know that it's not just him in him in defence, is it? It's, it's the rest of the defence. Interesting stat for you, though. Oh, I love a stat. So last season we mm. can see, and I've been a big moaner about our defence this season as well. Last season we conceded sixty-eight goals the entire season. We've conceded fifty-two so far. So as long as we keep it to below an average of four a game in our remaining <laughs> games, we'll have improved our defensive That's all we record. can ask for, isn't it? Yeah. But it is an interesting one. You mentioned with Fabianski, because we are full of praise for him. And as I mentioned earlier, more saves than any other Premier League goalkeeper this season. But that really does suggest that defensively, there are frailties there and you are there to be got at. And as you mentioned, someone like Jamie Vardy, I think it's seven in seven or, or near about that since yeah. Brendan Rodgers came in. He is a player on form. Um, and a pitch like that, I feel, yeah, I, I'd be fairly confident as a Leicester fan that we would at least score. I mean, whether you can keep out the other end, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too sure. We don't, I mean, we have had our defensive issues in terms of injuries as well. Um, and uh, as much as everyone loves him, Zabaleta, you can't rely on him to play 38 games in the season. So we've had to rotate. And with Fredericks being out for three months midway through the season, it caused a few issues defensively. Um, Creswell's been in and out of form, had a couple of injuries as well. Uh, Masuaku's Masuaku. Um, what a what a performance at the weekend! Very good, by the way. very good. Just Give quickly. him that. Give yeah. him that. Yeah, King Arthur is yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously Balbuena spending ages out, you know, with that injury. Um, and then, but then Ogbonna and Diop did play well in, um, sort of together in that absence. And now Balbuena's back. Now, Diop's been rested quite rightly, so I think he deserves the rest, been playing very well. So we've not really had a solid, consistent back four um, all season. And I can't remember the last time, the last season, we could actually say we had a, a solid back four. Mm. Um, you know, you probably got to look back to the last season that was apart when it was Reed and Ogbonna. Um other than that, it's always been there's always been an injury, there's always been a change, there's always been every game it's something different. Do you think you've got the personnel though to to have a because you say it's it's not been a, a steady one, it's not been a settled one due to injuries. But when they're all fit, do you think that defence is capable of, of think being so. one of the stronger ones? I think I think Diop you know, is is had he you know, I think he's been overlooked a little bit for, for player of the season. I think he's been very, very good. I'm not saying he's been outstanding, but I think he's been very, very good. Um, and Balbrenner, again, an absolute bargain at four mil. If those two can consistently stay in the team for like for for 80% of the season, you know, we'd be very good defensively. We just need to strengthen at right back, I think, um, and and left back. 
And then once you've got two two consistent right and left backs, then I think that back four is made up, and then we can build from the back and mm. then move forward. How do we approach this one then Saturday? Do you do you attack Leicester? I think it's difficult because I think we are susceptible on the counter attack as well. You're like you touched on earlier, uh, Jake. You've got a lot of pace in that side, and although naturally home games you want to bring the game to the opposition. I'm not sure that's gonna that's gonna suit us down to the ground. It will it will suit you far more or mm. Leicester far more because you've got those pacey players in your team. West Ham are susceptible to pace. Mm. You mentioned if Sabaleta starts, which he's likely to, isn't he? I think then you know he's you can expose him fairly easily. So I don't think it will be quite as quite as gung ho perhaps as you know at the weekend when we it was an open game anyway, so it lent itself mm. to that a bit more. I don't think. It, at the weekend, it will lend itself to that as much as it. it, it well, where, where do you traffic. see where do you see weaknesses in in the Leicester side with regards to you know this West Ham player? If he is at his top game, he can be the game winner. Is well, there any way you you pinpoint Leicester? And think we can get them there? Well, you you've just got to look at um, one the way we played against United, where we were looking to go wide on Saturday, and the way that uh, Leicester conceded against Newcastle, where they conceded from out the flanks. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably where Pellegrini is going to have a look at. You know, I, I really rate Chilwell as a player, um, but you know, he, you know, if you're running at him, and you know, you've got you know got a player overlapping uh, with you know, if you're putting a ball into a box in dangerous area, if you've got someone like Ayoso Perez winning headers, then you've got problems in the centre of defence there in terms of you know you've got problems dealing with crosses, uh, and I think that's where we've got a target. The only issue is even if you get beyond your fullback and we put the ball in. Have you got anyone in there to uh, Andy Carroll? No, is he? He's not going to be no. there. Um, haven't seen him for about eight years. So Hernandez isn't going to. Hernandez isn't going to. Is he going to beat? Well, if Perez is beating yeah. uh, Wes Morgan in, in an aerial duel, yeah, then and there's Mike. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I just think you know if we can exploit that because I think that is one of Leicester's weaknesses in terms of you know uh, threat from crosses, then. Um, I think you know Leicester are there to be had, but we've got to exploit that, and we tried doing that a little bit against United, where we were using the width a little bit. So play that same game plan, you know, try and dominate the ball a little bit, be a little bit patient, and I think you know I think we can get all three points. Notoriously slow starters, Leicester. What have you been like from the off? Awful. Right, <laughs> great. Absolutely so don't bother terrible. turning up for the first 10 minutes because neither yeah. side are going to be playing. <laughs> it's certainly not going to be a repeat of the first 10 no. that the Etihad tonight, say that sure. Last year when uh, we played Leicester at home, uh, me and my brother arrived about, what, three minutes late to the game. Mm. We walked down to uh, our seat. I'm trying to remember. Got to the seat, yeah. looked up, Leicester went 1-0 up, my brother walked straight out of the ground. Was it all Brighton? Uh, it might have been. I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember the score, but it, the game ended one all. I think it was last season, yeah, it the was, season before. It was Mark O'Brien. Uh, my brother literally just he walked down to his seat, looked up, three minutes on the clock. <laughs> yeah. Leicester scored. He went. I'll see you in a pub later. Walked straight back out. <laughs> He'd been in the ground for no more than five minutes. Wow. Um, yeah, we ended up drawing one all. So, can yeah. you see what do you think the Arnautovic thing? Because I'm, I'm glad he didn't do that again or try and make that Arnautovic Hernandez thing work again at the weekend mm. I think that was the right decision and I for the first time since he's been pulling on a claret and blue shirt I've actually felt a little bit sorry for Hernandez recently less so when he's been hauled off but where if he hasn't had chances to to start and, and I actually think he's for the first time since he's played for us I've thought oh yeah and I've wanted him in the team do you think that again this week or I think we saw on I think we saw on Saturday that as much as you know, he, he runs about, he tries hard, you know, he gets himself into good positions. I don't know. I just don't know whether he fits in 
he fits in this system. Sorry, there's been a goal again. Go on, really? Man. Yeah, we need to take a break. Um, before we do that, Man City are now leading 3-2. Raheem Sterling has just scored, so it's 3 all in aggregate. As things stand, Spurs are still going through. But yeah, 21 minutes played, there's been five goals. We need to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue to talk about that game coming up on Saturday and also have a little roundup of some transfer rumours doing the rounds already this month. This It's the man we feel sorry for right now on our Sky Sports screen in the corner is Chris Kirkland, by the way. They've got Jamie O'Hara and Chris Kirkland watching their respective former clubs in action this evening. Jamie's obviously got the 3-2, 20 minutes in, and poor Chris is sat there looking at a goalless draw between Liverpool and Porto. But hey, could be at worse places. We're here in the studio and we're talking about West Ham and some transfer rumours already doing the rounds. I've seen Edin Dzeko. We spoke about that a lot on previous other shows. Is, is there anyone else already being linked? Because it's early days, isn't it? The Ma- Maxi Gomez is the big one. Yeah. I think they won't won't really go away. The Celta Vigo story. Although I did, um, there was a story released last week that Tottenham are looking at him as well and they've asked a few questions uh, for, as cover for Kane and uh, sort of having conversations about that in the week I'm just interested to what his view on that would be because he came out and he came out with comments Gomez which we touched on last week on the show that and distanced himself from a new contract to Celta Vigo so it seems to be fairly common knowledge that he'll be on his way yeah. in the summer likely to the Premier League as well and I just wonder if you're in his shoes He, you know how Tottenham play football you know Harry Kane plays ahead of anyone else at the club week in week out do you or and you also know the situation at West Ham with Arnautovic likely out the door and then your two biggest competitors are Hernandez and Lucas Perez their future yet which could, yeah could exactly their yeah. future yet to be decided mm. for you know are we surely a more attractive prospect because he's going to come in and be a big dog you think so um and everyone goes, oh, if I was playing, then I'd choose the club where I know I was going to be. But then you don't know the sort of money that's going to be on the table. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, sadly, I think you'd, that, I, that is... Yeah. I think you'd match Spurs. We, we, potentially. We're getting Carroll off the books. But then, you know, there is the option of Champions League football, and you have to consider that, uh, unless they do hopefully fall out of the top four <laughs> and go out tonight. Um, <laughs> but there is that there is that option. And even then, it would be the Europa League and... You know, we're not going to be able to offer that, but I do see your point in that. You know, any any striker going to Tottenham has to just you know, be okay with the fact that they're only going to play Carabao Cup and FA Cup games and come off the bench with ten minutes to go, mm-hmm. or fill in when Harry Kane gets his one or two injuries this season, where he's out for one month when he should be out for three, um, and he rushes rushes himself yeah, back. Yeah. Our stadium's so, better as well, isn't it? Stadium's much better, um, so. There are arguments to both, isn't there? I mean, if I was him, I'd definitely sign for West Ham, but I'm going to say that. And I? He'll have so, seen the carpet as well. He's seen the carpet. That's the deal breaker. You've got a carrot carpet, and it's got a badge on it. Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else doing the rounds? In think, or out? You can t- we'll do in or out? I think out is going to... That's what I'm sort of looking forward to, yeah. if you like, this summer, to see who, who leaves the club. I mean, for what? Everyone. <laughs> yeah, but we, you know, the the catchphrase of the show this season has, has become, when we're talking about transfers, has become dead wood. Mm. And uh, there is a lot of that around the squad, we feel. Sling a few names then, go on. Well, I, I and you can correct me on this if you want. I think Antonio, I think he, he commands a bigger salary than people... Realise he's one of the one of the better earners at the club. A contract he earned himself during that impressive season yep. at Upton Park, the last one. I 
I wouldn't be too sad to see the back of him because I think he's on the way down in his career. But I think there are far more obvious obvious suspects than him. Perez being one of them. Hernandez, I don't think he wants to be there that much. Uh, Wilshere, Carroll's on his way out. Zabaleta, I think we'll probably give him another year. But one of the left-backs will have to go. Probably be Masuaka, unfortunately. But I think there's some easy candidates, isn't there, at the front of that queue? I mean, the fact that we're, we're even saying that there are a load of easy candidates, it's a long list of players, just just shows how much Deadwood's in the squad. Even a lot of players out loud, Edmils Fernandez probably going to go. Adrian, who everyone loves. Byron. He, he's on his way out. Sam Byron. I forgot, I forgot about Sam Byron. Hugh Gill. He'll be out. Jordan Hugh Gill. Uh, he'll be out. Um, so there's so many players it mm. worries me that we're going to let go too many and not replace them and then we're going to be back to square one um, so I'd like to see that Lucas Perez definitely go now we've still got Carlos Sanchez knocking about <laughs> somewhere um, so yeah there's a lot there's a lot of players that we can expect to leave the club I just mm. hope that there's no mass fire sale and then we struggle to replace them with you know adequate, adequate strong replacements quickly running out of time Samir Nasbury new contract yes or no yes Yes. Okay. And then let's look ahead now to Saturday, Leicester City. Let's get some score predictions from you both. Please, James, you go first. Uh, I'm going to go with 3-1 West Ham. Goals, goals, goals. Cheers. Uh, 1-0 West Ham. Okay. Nice. Full house for the pair in the studio. Let's see the visitors to the London Stadium this coming Saturday. I shall be there. Um, What's your prediction? I I was really confident. Um, after obviously the game against Newcastle and now I'm not too sure um, I think it's going to be an entertaining goal goal game an entertaining game with an entertaining goal politicians yeah, answer again yeah, well look, obviously I'm going to say a Leicester City win aren't I um, so you can't we'll say, say that, that in the West Ham fan show 2-1 <laughs> Leicester City win I'm not coming back next week and I can say what I want you've been listening to the West Ham fan show here on Love Sport Radio the chaps will be back next week is Love Sport Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.